Hi, fellow Muppet fans, and welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. This is the podcast where we watch the Muppet Christmas Carol two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Ryan Rowe. I'm your other host, Anthony Strand. And today we have a return guest who we always enjoy talking to, a guest, if you could introduce yourself, please. Uh, hi, I'm Tansy Rainer Roberts. Thank you for joining us once again. Oh, thank you for having me. You know, I love... I love talking about Muppets and I love watching Muppets and my kids are kind of, I'm not going to say they're too old for Muppets because ne- you're never quite too old for Muppets, but they're, they're not always available for Muppet watching. So oh, okay. Nice yeah, it's good to have some kindred <laughs> yeah. spirits to, friends. to talk about I just about think it. of you guys as like being Muppets. So that's, <laughs> that's <laughs> what like, see, And what I know honor. that you would take that we'll as take a compliment. It, yeah. Yes. There are some Absolutely. people who might not take that as a compliment, but I know that you guys would. <laughs> right. For sure. Uh, there's also that thing where like Muppet is like sort of a slang. I don't know. I, I get Google alerts a lot where politicians are calling each other Muppets <laughs> in the UK. But anyway. yeah, it's, it's actually quite a sweet insult, especially if you do it in a British accent. You know how if you swear in a British accent, it just sounds less sweary and more fun. Yeah. So, yeah. More distinguished. Um, so we are here today to talk about minutes 17 and 18 of uh, The Muppet Christmas Carol, in which Scrooge begrudgingly allows his employees the day off and the song One More Sleep begins. So we pick up with uh, Bob Cratchit, Kermit as Bob Cratchit, nervously pleading his case uh, to Scrooge to close the office for Christmas Day. He points out that no other businesses will be open so there will be no one to do business with. And he, he makes a great point that they would be just wasting coal all day. So Well, if, if, we, can, if we can jump back a second, yeah. we actually start with the rats throwing Kermit under the bus. That's true, yes. That's like the, the punchline of the, the last thing that we saw last week. Yeah, the first thing we hear is the rats saying, oh, that, that, was, all, the frog's that was all idea. the frog's idea yeah. or whatever, which I think is so funny. Yeah. Yeah, I have this later in my notes, but the, the rats just enhance this whole exchange so much just by their reacting their reactions to everything they do they kind of provide the um the audience yeah <laughs> aren't they they're, it's like they're the audience identification rats right right, right. They, well they're the audience identification and they're also kind of bob cratchit's internal monologue yeah, yeah right? like but when, the when, fact when, that there's all the when, cheering and the worried noises exactly. and all that it always reminds me of you know those scenes where they always pull back in a Muppets movie to what show the Muppets watching the movie themselves and like heckling themselves. It's a bit like <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but but also it's like Bob Cratchit cannot when when we'll get there in a second. But when Scrooge says, you know, poor excuse for picking a man's pocket, the rats all go, Aww. right? <laughs> Which you say is us, but it's also like I think that's what Bob is feeling. That is right. Like, he can't say it. He's yeah, say it but he's too polite. People. He would never exactly. say that loud, so he has. He has all these imaginary friends who are rats who are like encourage him, <laughs> like the angel and the devil on the shoulder. But yeah. they're both Wait, so, they're all rats. So is is your theory that only Bob Cratchit works for Scrooge and the rats are imaginary? I mean, you can always consider that possibility. It makes it a much sadder movie though. Like if he's just alone with his imaginary rats, then that is actually quite tragic. Whereas the rats make even his stress and his poverty stricken circumstance quite fun like it lightens the quite darkness of of all of it so they're kind of there i think to make the whole thing less miserable yeah that's true yeah i think they they add a lot of of uh much needed 
comedy to these scenes. Um, but I also want to know, is this the first Christmas that Bob Cratchit and the rats have worked for Scrooge? Because they must have been over this before, if not. Like, Christmas happens every year. Do they just have this exact yeah. same conversation every year? And every year Scrooge is like, eh, no, I don't think I want to close for Christmas. Or you know, every I've year he does let them have the day off, but he always makes them feel bad about it. Right. That's the thing that really hits, isn't it? Yeah. It's, yeah. He's basically like, well, yes, you can have the day off if you insist, but you are basically thieves. Like, right. some expert, <laughs> quite dark emotional manipulation going on there. Yeah. So, yeah, I would buy that, that Scrooge just makes Bob Cratchit do the same the same uh, routine every year. Yeah, and he always to... acts surprised and acts as if they exactly. never had this conversation. Yeah, just it's to like make a him miserable. abusive, kind of toxic uh, pattern. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so as we were alluding to, Scrooge says uh, it's a poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every December the 25th, but as I mm. seem to be the only person around here who knows that, take the day off. And the rats, like we say, are they're they're reacting out loud to every beat of this. It's like, oh, yay! They they cheer. Yeah. Uh, Scrooge yells at them to stop. Michael Caine looking angry at Muppets. Yeah. Because it's like, how can you be angry at Muppet rats? But he's just so <laughs> furious at them, and he just doesn't get them, and it immediately makes him the villain. Yeah. Which is so interesting. It's like that thing of you know, if a character kicks a dog in a movie then you know that person is a villain and irredeemable. <laughs> right. um, and he's like that. Like, he's just so angry. It feels like he's angry. And I know that, like, Michael Caine himself is probably a lovely guy. He was happy to be there. But it feels like he's angry to be in a Muppet movie. Mm. Like, Scrooge yeah. is just outraged by the sheer Muppetiness yeah. of the world in which he lives. He didn't sign up for this. <laughs> no. He wants well, to be in some other version it, which of is Dickensian London, yeah. where there are fewer uh, wisecracking rats. Yeah. yeah, this is something we've talked about it a little bit, but this comes up a lot when people who worked on the movie talk about the movie, how Michael Caine took this so seriously. Their their interviews where Brian Henson talks about um, the concept of Jim Henson's Muppets versus Charles Dickens Scrooge, where, where Michael Caine is playing it totally straight as just like this, this yeah. really mean, cruel uh, Scrooge character. Um there's a quote from the Frogs, Pigs, and Humbug featurette on the DVD where Brian Henson says, one of the great things he did in the film was he decided to not ever really play the comedy. He was going to play as if you guys... So this is Brian Henson addressing Gonzo and Rizzo in this featurette. He says, yeah. he was going to play it as if you guys were the Royal Shakespeare Company. Yeah. Which is a really good quote. I do feel like this has been somewhat overstated over the years where like... Every year around Christmas, you'll see posts on social media where it's like, yeah. did you know that Michael Caine said that he would <laughs> refuse to do the Muppet Christmas Carol unless he could act like a Shakespeare actor? It's like, well, it's that's so lovely, probably though. not I mean, what I, he said. But. It's something that works really well in a lot of other contexts. Thinking of things like Star Wars, for instance, where they would get in like all these very British actors to play it very straight yeah. and sort of be villainous. But it is, it is an interesting thing. It's an interesting choice to have made. And it is, I know I don't want to like spoil things or by looking ahead, but it's very different to the choice that uh, Tim Curry made as a similar tentpole character in the, you know, what's probably the biggest comparable yeah. film, which is Treasure Island. He's also the tentpole guest star, but he's very much like, he's for a start, he's, the character is friends with Muppets, mm -hmm. which makes the whole thing, but also there's a sense of being in on the joke, whereas the fact that Michael Caine's character appears not to be in on the joke 
makes him just so interesting to watch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Tim Curry plays it much, well, much hammier, really. Yeah, yeah. Well, and he's, you know, he's Tim, in on it and Tim, he's, he's mates to half the Muppets are his crew and it's, it's a very different dynamic. Yeah. But it's, right. I Tim guess Curry it's the thing with all the Muppet guests, like all the human guests over the years in the Muppet show as well, like that a lot of them made different choices and a lot of yeah. them are just there like, oh, I'm here surrounded by Muppets. This is funny. But every now and then you had the ones that really took it seriously. When they took it seriously, it was just so electric to watch. Yeah. And so much more interesting. Right. When, Car- Carol when Burnett, the, John Cleese. Yeah. The comedian. Yeah. People who are comedians and actors on the Muppet show tend to be really good at just playing along. And then there are some, yeah. like some of the people who are primarily musicians who will, mm. you know, they look like they're having fun, but they're not, they're not as sort of embedded in the Muppet reality. Yeah. And the thing about being a Shakespearean actor doing it, I think that's relevant as well because it's a stage thing. Like theatre actors Mm. have a different ability to put themselves in a role than people who are primarily film actors. We think of Michael Caine as being a film actor because he was in so many films. But he has that theatre background and it shows. You know, they can put themselves, immerse themselves. They They can act even when there's no scenery, all that sort of thing. And I think that's often what you need when ultimately on stage or on the sound stage you're going to have a bunch of the thing that we forget i'm sure you guys are very aware of it because you look at all the behind the scenes but there's all these people in black sitting around holding muppets right and you've got to not see them as an actor and i think some actors just wouldn't be able to cope with that yeah because yeah. it's it's a lot yeah i'm sure that's true i can't think of any examples like I, we've we've read so many interviews with muppet performers and and whatnot yeah. but I, I can't think of any spe- specific examples of actors who may have had a hard time looking at the puppets and not the puppeteers but, it's a lot. but i'm sure there's been how some. many times they do things with kid actors like with child actors right. that must be incredibly hard yeah. not to just there, there are definitely a lot of scenes on sesame street though where a muppet will be doing a one-on-one with a kid yeah and you'll see the kid looking straight down at the puppeteer. <laughs> right. there are a yeah. bunch of those you know yeah which is adorable yeah. when it happens when it's a kid absolutely in those it, cases it, it almost seems less like adorable the... if it was michael king <laughs> right then they would have to fire him probably but in some of those it's it's it looks like the kid is kind of trying to figure it out like wait yeah. a minute grover is talking to me but there's also a guy down there with the mustache who's talking at the same time what's going on here right but uh yeah that's fun but i i, I was gonna say the the actors who can't do it i think just don't get cast you know if yeah, absolutely. I, I think I'm that's guess. true. I mean, Although it's interesting with the really recent Muppet movies where they just have tons and tons of celebrity cameos. Yeah. And in those cases, you kind of wonder how many of them it's like they would have had more than 30 seconds if maybe they were playing up to it better and which are the, hmm. you know. Right, yeah. James McAvoy shows up just had to the... deliver a package. Or yeah. See, this I totally forgot that he was, yeah, that's that's the kind of thing when we were doing that that oscar winners in muppet movies quiz in a previous episode those last two movies have so many cameos i just do not even remember who was yeah yeah absolutely and a lot of them are quite forgettable yes like you don't remember it whereas there are some from the classic muppet movies you still remember like you have that really strong um visceral memory of this 30 seconds that they did on a muppet movie because right they had great presence so yeah right Whereas, do do either of you remember what Stanley Tucci does in Muppets Most Wanted? I do not. Well, remember. Stanley Tucci is the the gulag guard who shoots at Kermit. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. 
But that's what I mean. Like, no, he doesn't do anything. Here's the thing, though. I Stanley Tucci is one of a handful of character actors who, when my mom sees him on screen, she will just call out his name. (laughs) (laughs) When he pops up in anything, my mom goes Stanley Tucci. So that's why I remember that. You you were sat in the theater with your mom and she yelled. Um, Yeah, let me think. When did I see that for the first time? I'm sure I I have watched it with her at some point, and she she did that. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Same scene. Your mom yelled out, "Chloe Grace Moritz." (laughs) No, she might know. She might have known who that was at the time. Um, (laughs) Anyway, Michael Caine is great in this, and the next thing that he does is uh, to yell uh, to his employees uh, to come in early the next morning. To make up for taking Christmas Day off. Yeah. Um, this is only uh, tangentially related, but I have a coming into work on a holiday story. And that is okay. when I first started working nine to five jobs, uh, I did not know that it's traditional for everyone to get New Year's Day off. Um, I had previously been working like at hotels in the events departments where like you could go a few weeks with not very much happening at work especially around the holidays so I was working at an office job and nobody explicitly said anything to me about not coming into work on January 1st so that January 1st I woke up early in my apartment in Brooklyn at the time and I took a subway to another subway into Manhattan and went to this office building and took the elevator up to the office and it was completely empty because, of course, everybody was at home because it was New Year's Day and it was a holiday. So I had to go all the way back home and then go back to sleep. (laughs) But I guess it could have been worse if Ebenezer Scrooge had been my boss. If Ebenezer Scrooge Scrooge had been your boss. The uh, electricity for the coal you used. For the candle you used. Right, exactly. That's what what I was going to say. He would still dock you half a crown for wasting his time. He would have charged me something. Uh, so then uh, we're back to Gonzo and Rizzo outside Gonzo says with their employer gone at last Bob Cratchit and the bookkeepers immediately began that most pleasant of activities the celebration of Christmas uh, Rizzo meanwhile is once again eating something I couldn't quite make out what this was is this something really loud I was actually going to ask if that was the context was provided before or after this minute it might be a pickle <laughs> because he's just eating something so loudly yes and say, um, looking at this street scene, because it is, it's, it's a couple of years since I've watched the film and it's, I haven't perhaps looked really closely. It put me in mind of, this is why I come to Doctor Who Connections. I'm not sure if you know much about, you know, if you, you're a fan of Doctor Who. Yes. Um, yes, yes. They did the yes, Christmas, the, their version of A Christmas Carol quite a few years ago now, uh, which was pretty much, you know, it, it wasn't Scrooge, but it was Scrooge. And it was a planet that was very clearly Dickensian England only with fish in the street. Right. But I didn't realise until I saw this particular shot how much that very memorable set from that episode feels like it wasn't actually maybe not just based on Dickensian London, but specifically based on the Muppet movie. Oh, interesting. There's something about that scene when they walk out and Gonzo is standing there. I'm just like, I've seen those doorways before. Uh Did they just straight up build a set that would make people think about the Muppet movie version. Yeah, it is a very striking when when you're looking at it closely like we are for this podcast, the the set design is very striking because they they have all these forced perspective angles, which you really only notice if you're scrutinizing it. And it's just sort of 
kind of a, a, a theatrical version of, of reality. Like if you really look yeah. at it, it doesn't really look like a city, but no, it, it but I fits the material noticed, really well. I mean, it does have, on the one hand, it, it does very much feel like London uh, in, in Dickensian time, but is, do I just think that because I've seen this movie a lot? Yeah. Particularly <laughs> right. the curve, though, all the curved doorways. And yeah, the arches, exactly. And that, Again, it, it made me think of the Doctor Who set, which has lots of roundness. And yeah, I've seen that episode that. once. I should go back and, and look at that. Again. When you finish this, go back and watch it then, because yeah. I think you'll find it very interesting, because it is really specifically in conversation with A Christmas Carol, obviously, but I yeah. didn't realise how much I think it is I... in conversation with this specific adaptation, mm. um, which for so, many has um... become the most the most significant top of the list. Sure, yes. Uh, right. Adaptation. Yeah. I wonder if Stephen Moffat. I mean, has he ever talked about Muppets anywhere? Like, I, I don't know, but his now last name kind of sounds like Muppet. I mean, let's That's face true, it, he is, he is a creator who tends to take things he like and likes and really milk them thoroughly. Um, right, well, and, so, and especially yeah. in those in those Christmas specials, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Like you see that. I mean, and we should say maybe for listeners who want to check it out, that episode of Doctor Who is called A Christmas Carol. Simply, mm. a it Christmas is, Carol. and the Christmas. Yeah episodes of doctor who are always designed to be kind of one-off specials that you can watch without having seen anything else at the show right. they were um, designed to be like doctor who but bigger and louder because they're assuming you're watching it on christmas day they screen in the uk in the afternoon they assume mm. that most people are like overfed possibly a bit drunk um <laughs> right. so they tend to be designed to be doctor who you can just walk in on so they're actually quite good for people who haven't seen the show before as a little taste Right. They get and very, especially... they're very chaotic. The Christmas specials, I love them dearly. Oh, I, I love, love a Christmas well, I was, special. I, I was going to say sometimes they are Alien meets Inception with Nick Frost as Santa Claus. Like, sure, sure, but isn't he the best Santa Claus? Like, oh, it's the who would have thought he would be such a like platonically amazing Santa Claus? Like he just, right. oh. yeah, that's so good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they are weird. I'm not saying it's not weird. It's Doctor Who. But Muppets are all, I think a lot of people like Doctor Who who also like the Muppets because there is a level of opt-in weirdness that requires to enjoy that's both. That's accurate, yeah. So I'm yeah. not surprised there's a massive overlap in uh, right. in the fandoms. Well, they, they got um, David Tennant and Peter Davison to play the Doctor at the live shows at the O2 right. a few years ago. Yeah, Pigs in Space meets the Doctor. I mean that's just you know? epic. Yeah, that's cool. yeah. yeah, and 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 like the crowd goes nuts. You know, absolutely. I, mean, I, I think it was the first night it was Tennant, and the second night it was it was Davison doing the same script. Right. And, and it is always interesting to me that though it is technically an American production in a lot of ways, the Muppets has this strong grounded history in British culture from when from so much being filmed there, from mm-hmm. a lot of their right. crew being British, and there's a level of humor that feels very british i think in a lot of ways right yeah, uh, yeah so again there's a lot of crossover yeah so yeah it's it's a great snowy street i enjoy the set very much <laughs> i enjoy all the um the normal people I say normal that sounds so judgmental the non the humans people. the human actors, yeah, the humans, the human extras. that's the word yeah walking around in their lovely victorian gowns yeah. and things like that's nice to see yeah, it looks great. This yeah. is actually, I think, just occurring to me for the first time, but it's sort of like a pop-up book version of Dickensian London. Yeah, yeah, very much. Which makes sense. It's aimed at kids. Yeah. But it does feel like, it does feel like an illust- a lot of the elements of it 
feel like an illustrated book, right. especially with things like Gonzo talking to the audience. Yes. And it almost has a, and now the page is turning kind of feel about it. Yeah. 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 Which is kind of what's happening right now as Scrooge leaves and is transitioning into. Yeah. I was looking to song. see if there were any background Muppets. And apart from the rats, you know, or like Rizzo and stuff, there, there weren't any in this particular uh, shot. Yeah. Like, there's not, we humans. don't get, we don't get much of a, a glimpse of the outside except for, I guess that one shot where Scrooge is leaving. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so, so. so yes, only human extras <laughs> at this point. Yeah, all the other Muppets are at home. Yeah, yeah, where it's warm. <laughs> right, good <laughs> for them. It's Christmas Eve. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so uh, the the rats uh, celebrate Scrooge uh, Scrooge's uh, absence, Scrooge's departure. Kermit says, "Gentlemen, let's close up for Christmas." And then yeah. here's the song, "One More Sleep." I guess say in that moment, just before as the song is starting up. Um, I noticed that Kermit was standing very close to a candle and I'm like, oh, that's a lot of naked flame to be close uh, to these Muppets. And then I wanted to ask the question, how flame-proof are Muppets? And then Kermit blew out a freaking candle. He took care of it which for is you. One yeah. of those things, you know, when you're like, oh yeah, I can hold this in my head. Muppets, because, you know, we always fall into the, oh yeah, Muppets are people. And then every yeah. then you remember, oh, hang on, Muppets are constructions. He blew out a candle. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was just such a lovely casual moment. And yeah. It's like, it almost had a, oh, he's riding a bike. Oh, wait, I have to think about this. Exactly. Like, that yeah. was just a lovely moment. I, I think there are some people who watch a Muppet movie and just don't even think about it when something like that oh, happens. Yeah. Like, or like on, on the Muppet show when Kermit would drink out of a, out of a glass with a straw. Yeah. And, the liquid and then you're like, down. hang on a minute. Yeah. Well, in, uh, when he did that on the Muppet Show, he looks at the camera and says, "Think, think about that." That's right. Folks. Yeah, he's calling people's attention yeah. to it. Yeah. Yeah. Great. We were watching a sequence. I think it was a Sesame Street. Oh, I think we ended up as family watching some old Sesame Street stuff um, a little while ago. And yeah, there was a sequence with Ernie drinking from glasses. Yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah, sort of watching it. And it's one of these things, you can watch it 20 times and not think about it. Right. And then the one time you start thinking about it, you're like, hang on. Like, I've never noticed Kermit blowing a candle out before. <laughs> yeah. It's just Bob Cratchit right, blowing right. out a candle. Because the first time you're just like, yeah, yeah. of course, that's just, person. you blow in a yeah. candle, the He's candle Kermit. goes out. He does yeah. things. He's very competent. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the Oh My Disney video that I've uh, mentioned previously, Brian Hansen says that people always ask him how they did that that effect but he thinks it was a relatively simple thing where they just had like a, a, a tube behind Kermit's head out of the frame and somebody was just like activating the air to, to yeah. blast out of the tube. So that's all. Yeah. It's the thing. It's, it's really not that it's really just the timing and there's, there's some beautiful timing in the sequence as they build at the beginning of the song. I also noticed because my, um, my son is a media student and when things like when people do stuff in one shot, he tends to notice and call uh, yeah. it out and it's something we pay more attention to now. The shot where the um, the rats are all closing books one after another, yes. and I was watching. I think that was just such a really beautiful shot because it. And I'm just like, oh, it looked really effortless, and I was just like, oh, they might have had to rehearse that quite a lot I'm just sure to get the did. right balance, the book, one after the other, because of course they can't see what the others are doing right. a lot of the time. And am I, and I remembering that was a really yeah. nice? Am I remembering right that that shot continues in with Kermit carrying a stack of books? Yeah. And so it was a really yep. nice kind of one shot. Yeah, so it's it's book, book, so book. precisely choreographed, like close the book yeah. and close the book and close the book and Kermit, Kermit. So yeah, I'm sure that took oh, a lot of rehearsal. Oh, this is singing too. Like it's very impressive. Right, exactly. 
Yeah. 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 These guys are really good at their jobs. Oh, this song though. Yes. It started off and I'm just like, oh, this song. It's such an earworm, particularly with mm-hmm. like far more syllables in the word Christmas than it really <laughs> needs. And it just gets stuck in your head. Yes. And I'm like, oh yeah, here we go. One more sleep till Christmas, which... Funnily enough, is not the last time that will happen in this movie. Because mm-hmm. later we'll yep. hear that it feels like Christmas. That's true. Yep. Yeah. So can can we talk about Steve Whitmire's performance here yes. a little bit? Because this is really the first time he's really gotten to do much of anything as Kermit the Frog. It's his first you know, he's, song, as far as I know. It's his first yeah. song, but... But even in this movie, he just kind of like says hi to Fred right. so far. You know, I mean, he hasn't, he hasn't done that yeah, much. Yeah, now yet, the spotlight really. is on Kermit. Um, yeah. Right. I mean, he's, you know, this scene, I guess he starts talking. I, was about... I didn't even think about who was performing Kermit in this or the fact that it's like the first big time that it's not Jim Henson. Mm-hmm. Didn't think about it once. Right, because um, he's great. It's such a yeah. it's such a terrific performance, I think. But it's something I know with the most recent Kermits, we have had issues with that. Like my kids refuse to watch the most recent Muppet show that was on disney Aww. it looked like it was fun but the kermit was just not quite the, there and the they were just like the oh my god who can't do a kermit the frog <laughs> i don't know it's it, it was it was enough of a disconnect that they just couldn't hmm. make but this is seamless like it feels like it i yeah and i mean i do think part of that is that we've had 30 years yeah. to get used to you know i i think yeah, yeah, i think absolutely. if twitter had existed in 1992 there would have been a lot more Kermit sounds there, funny. There were kind of definitely stuff, people on the, the Muppet news group and the, like the, yeah. the prodigy Muppet fan bulletin board <laughs> in, in, back in those days complaining about Kermit's new voice. Happened, but... but it's, it is really interesting. Cause yeah, to me, he just sounds like Kermit. But then right. I'm like, actually, have I watched this movie more than I have watched any other yeah. performance of Kermit? I think a lot Kermit, of people have. Yeah. That might not, not be true. I'm not sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, and I, I also think it helps that, this is a very like sincere song, yes. kind somewhat in the manner of Rainbow Connection. You know, yeah, like yes. it's, it's it's just like Kermit being plaintive, which is a good mode for for a new. But Kermit also, in it's a movie. new. I don't know. It's it's the fact that it's not it's not him trying to do the Rainbow Connection. It's not something. Right. And I think it is a really interesting choice that Kermit is not himself. He's not playing himself in this film. Yeah. And that, of course, was a big thing of what Brian Henson did in the nineties was this idea of the Muppets being the cast for a classic story as opposed to them playing themselves. Like they feel like themselves, but it's maybe makes it a little easier transition to not having Jim Henson there anymore. Yeah. It creates a different set of expectations. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this Kermit is such a great actor because he's really thrown himself into the Bob Cratchit part. Kermit is great at playing Bob Cratchit. His voice is even slightly (laughs) different. It's just. (laughs) Yeah. Right. He, um, I do think, though, that on a somewhat similar note, the best time, like the best performance we've seen from Matt Vogel as Kermit so far, in my opinion, is when he played the Haunted Mansion host in, in Muppets Haunted Mansion. Yeah, he's very I good there. I think he seems looser and funnier. And Yeah, I actually quite enjoyed that. My kids hated it so much. Oh, no. Oh, apart. Oh, I, 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 I was I was there enjoying it. But yeah, I'm not going to watch it with them again. No. Right, right. Oh. Yeah. I liked it. <laughs> no, I I enjoyed. It. I mean, we'll, we'll get there. We'll cover it on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you will. After in after about 10 years was time, wanted. Right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Muppets. Now, some of my favorite parts of that were actually the Kermit parts, but I guess 
yeah, everyone yeah, has their true. own take. Well, the most recent, I think, Muppet stuff that my kids really loved was the one which is just the Muppets, like the um, the one that was like The Office. Yeah, like the, the TV the series. Come, yeah. Like that we all really, really enjoyed. It was so sad it didn't come back. And that really felt like the Muppets doing something a bit different, but also yeah. growing up a bit. It was, a, it was an interesting really experiment, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We really kind of enjoyed that. But yeah. I'm glad they, to hear that. That's hard work. Yeah, kind of judgy. So now we just watch vintage stuff. It's okay, fun. well, that's good too. Yeah, so much. Yeah. <laughs> you can't go wrong with that. Uh, but yeah, one more sleep. Um, yes, it's it's like the warm and fuzzy aspect of Kermit is what we're seeing in this movie. Like we said, we're not. He doesn't really get to be funny, but again, it fits this material. It fits this story. It fits this, this character of Bob Cratchit to to focus on the warm and fuzzy version of Kermit. It's interesting, isn't it? Because he's the he's the straight man. Yeah. And Michael Caine is also the straight man. Uh, yeah. And everybody else is pure chaos. That's... But Kermit has always kind of been the straight, almost always been the straight man. Like he's usually the long suffering one while everybody around him is pure chaos. Yeah. But, and and he's kind he of still doing this. He's more being and more stoic so, and strong. Yeah. More and more. So once they started making movies, like what, when the Muppet yeah. movie, when they did the Muppet movie, that's like, he's fully arrived as like the sort of every man character yeah. that you root for. But even in the show, a lot of the time, because he's always been the, he does, you know, he gets frustrated, but he's often the one trying to hold it all together. So it translates really nicely to this very stoic Bob Cratchit, which is, by the way, the most interesting Bob Cratchit has ever been as a character. (laughs) Let's face it. Yeah, sure. As characters, he's not, you know. I I do do have to give a, I mean, A, I agree with you. B, I have (laughs) to assign runner-up status to David Warner in in the 1984 movie. Mm. Who I think I don't think I've ever seen that, but I agree. David Warner is great at everything, so well, it doesn't surprise me. That's the me. thing. Like he, he. I'm so used to him as villains, of course. You know, yeah. All the uh, in Time Bandits and Tron and all that stuff, Ninja Turtles too. And he's Bob Cratchit, and he's like so sweet and lovely, and it's such a it's such. I mean, a Bob nice Cratchit David is Warner a thankless role because this is a movie about a villain. It's like anyone in Wuthering Heights who isn't Heathcliff is not going to get much attention. Huh. Because when you have a villain that's so powerful and dynamic and kind of interesting and horrible, they kind of do take all the oxygen in the room and the other people's job is basically to be around them and in many cases to suffer at their hands. Yeah. Which isn't very interesting as a part. But Kermit imbue it with, like, it's a great Kermit performance that he imbues it with such just sadness and stoicism and... You know, all, all those things that you need Bob Cratchit to do, which is basically to be the perfectly reasonable person who's being treated terribly. Right, he's, right. His dog gets kicked, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Poor buddy. <laughs> yeah. But, but it's nice that he has all these rat friends, yeah, exactly, imaginary exactly, or yes. not, to add a little light to his, his day. Yeah, it works really well. The, the song itself uh, I like a lot. This I, I keep, so the first song we heard was Scrooge, and I was like, oh, this is a really good song. This might be my favorite and now we're hearing this song and i'm like oh wait no this is a really good song i think this is my favorite yeah so that might happen again later in the movie we'll see <laughs> well that's well, what you this... want in a musical you yeah. want it to build up you want the early songs to be good because you don't want to be like starting off going oh it's one of these musicals it's got to be good but it's also going to ramp up yeah yeah well and and this song spoiler this song is going to get a reprise later that yeah is even better in my very opinion. charming yes yeah, we'll get to that. But it does. It has Crazy. a Christmas classic feel about it. And that's, you know, it is something that we hear often, I guess, 
it's something that could be distinct from the movie. You had Muppets turning up at a Christmas concert and performing this song, mm. you know, out of context, it would work perfectly well. Yeah. But really what's yeah. happening is that the, the rats are just so entertaining. Uh-huh. It's, it's, you're not really right. worrying about the lyrics or the song that much at all. The rats are just so great. Like all their little routines for shutting down the office. Yeah. Where clearly they're right. not designed for this human-sized office. That's true. None <laughs> the, of the, yeah, none, which none is, of the equipment that they're working with is really rat-sized. Right. Well, it's, that's interesting too, it, because it's all designed for Scrooge, and he doesn't care about their comfort. He, he has a small frog so, and a smaller right. rat working for him, but it's all just human-sized right. stuff. And yeah, this... Scrooge could have pulled that blind down before he left, which would have made their lives so <laughs> much could easier. Have, yes. And it would have cost him nothing, but of course he wouldn't no, do it. No. And I'm pretty sure one of the rats dies. <laughs> <laughs> And they all just like, oh, they all just sound a little bit like, oh. Like, it's just <laughs> so a little rat, bit too sad for it to be just, oh, he failed to do the job. I, I feel like he really hurt himself. You're talking so about when the rat. You're saying that this rat gets catapulted. Yeah, uh, yeah. Into onto the, the and then he's, he's really and excited he and he's going to pull the blind down, but he loses and he falls. And all the other rats just go, oh. <laughs> like, they really seem, it's he not just, oh, no, he's fallen or, oh do it again they seem sad i think he's dead oh. he heroically sacrificed himself to close the but window. it didn't even work because yep. the the shade just flips right back no, up right. and they have no, to do it again, again. And then yeah. that rat gets catapulted and smashes into the wall yeah so there might be yeah. they may have lost two rats that night they the may wall. have oh. and you know it's all because scrooge rats in peace is so thoughtless yeah. <laughs> it's interesting i saw a production of a Christmas Carol done by a local community theater. I think it was last Christmas. It might have been two years because honestly, all the last few years have sort of smushed together. Oh. And that was really interesting because one of the things that they really did was they played on the fact that Bob Cratchit was the only employee, which is actually kind of, I think, a big part of the story. So the fact that mm-hmm. he's not the only employee, unless these are imaginary rats, um, yeah, it, it is interesting because I mean, I'm presuming Scrooge doesn't pay the rats. Or if um, he does, he doesn't pay them enough. Right. I guess, yeah, I guess I assume he pays everybody like as little he's as he's legally allowed to pay. Surprisingly, overstaffed for somebody who's supposed to be very non-generous. Yeah, somebody said that. Was, was that you that said that before, Anthony? I said that. Yeah, earlier, why does yeah. he have so many people working for him? Yeah, and that is a direct like. That's very different to the original story, yeah. um, but of course, it's because it's funny is always the answer. Exactly. But and presumably the rats are all horrendously underpaid. You know, it's yeah. I think we or can that safely he, you know, that. that many rats maybe is he could get that many rats for the same price as a person, mm. right? Yeah, I don't know how or that works. A, right, right. a small underpaid urchin or something. You know? Yeah, no, there's that's like some social rats commentary. Right. Yeah. We <laughs> we should also note that this scene is very reminiscent of the rat scat breakfast scene in Muppet's Take. This is essentially a sequel to right. that. The, yeah. Yeah, the, the the previous movie had a scene where the rats are in a human-sized environment and yeah. get, getting jobs done by, you know, r- riding around on egg beaters like a unicycle. Or Through a variety of puppet tricks. Yeah, and it's just as great yeah. here. It's There's no diminishing returns. In no, not opinion. at all. Yeah, yeah, except that, you know, rats are dying. <laughs> <laughs> except for the rats who die, yes. But it is. Right. I think it's, it's worth noting. They're, they're doing everything with joy, and that's sort of part of the thing of, like, even their general philosophy which is matched with with bob is that thing that is an important theme throughout and will be important later which is that the poor people or the the workers even though they have next to nothing 
they have joy in their hearts and that's the yeah. ongoing theme isn't yeah it? that's a big you part know, of they're not rich story. but they find joy even in the really dull chores even with a little bit life-threatening yeah and of course as soon as yeah. their overbearing boss leaves that's when they can actually relax and have a good time without having to worry <laughs> yeah absolutely having fun at work yeah. uh yeah, I guess say there are some really nice close-up shots of the rats in action in this sequence, and it made me think about how beautifully dressed they are. Oh, yeah. Um, like the actual tailoring on the little suits and the little waistcoats and all the little details yeah. are just beautiful. I've been watching the Great British Sewing Bee, uh, and they <laughs> I just recently watched an episode where they were talking making costumes for children, and I'm just like, ah, oh, but the challenge of sewing like these little detailed, out tailored mm-hmm. outfits at that you know smaller scale is is really interesting and it is there's some lovely detail of the costumes of the era yeah in those beautiful right, little right and little outfit and shout out to um polly smith and ann hollowood who were the costume designers on the movie there you go so uh, no they, they yeah, do a fantastic work. job throughout yeah. but but this is really cool i mean they are very well dressed considering they must be like london's most underpaid rats otherwise right. scrooge would not <laughs> have so many of them working for him so but, but i think scrooge yeah. needs his staff to look professional too right like i think absolutely yeah, he would insist upon it just he would you know maybe mm-hmm. insist that they clothe themselves at a particular tailor right. and you know they're still paying off that debt so for those times <laughs> when a, a customer comes in and then scrooge throws him out in the snow like he did he wants yeah his staff absolutely to look nice. he wants <laughs> yeah that makes yeah. sense that tracks um yeah other let's see other puppetry tricks here there's a, a bunch of rats carrying a stack of books with another rat sitting on top of it i assume that one on the top is radio controlled we talked about the the catapult the the, the shot of the rat jumping off the stack of books onto the catapult that is just seamless i assume that's a marionette but it looks it just looks perfect See, I did not think about that at all. I just saw a rat jumping. Exactly. So. That's that's the thing. Yeah, that's what they do. yeah. But like I watched it back. I watched it frame by frame. I couldn't see any strings. I don't know. Maybe it's another radio controlled puppet. I don't know. But it's it's yeah. I can't imagine they could do that kind of jump. No, probably not in nineteen ninety two. Yeah. It just looked perfect. You know, you guys are going to look so silly when it's all revealed that actually the Muppets were real all along and there's no puppets <laughs> involved. It's just the world's biggest long-term entertainment fraud. Um, They're just all know, yeah. It was just a talking acrobatic rat. Yeah. Yeah. If, sometimes if, the If true, solution... I'll be thrilled. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a rat taking a, a steam bath in the furnace. That's a cute gag. Yeah, that was really nice. I wasn't it wasn't clear to me what that was that they were pouring the water on. It was like, is it a kettle or something? So that's the, the you said furnace? Oh, I, I mean, I assumed that that's, or is that, uh, yeah, I don't have the clip in front of me right now. Yeah, like a little sort of steam heater or something. Yeah, they're definitely the, Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I wasn't quite clear what that particular vintage something device that's, was. Something that's very was hot on the inside. So when they pour water in it, it creates steam. Yeah. Yeah. And the. The rat has a little towel, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the the rat using brooms like stilts, which yes. is yeah. p- probably like the, the most impressive yeah. one to me. Uh, unfortunately, this clip that that we're watching for this episode cuts it off, but it starts yeah, but at the, the top of it. the broomsticks yeah. and then tilts down, and you see the rat on the broomsticks like stilts. And then just when you think that it might just be like a puppeteer hidden under the frame, just yeah working the the broomsticks with their hands 
the camera tilts all the way down and you actually see the broom the sweeping up dust on the floor into a dustpan. So again, I have no idea how they did it. And it's just, yeah, kind of, kind of mind boggling. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's very impressive. Yeah. As is the work ethic of these horrendously underpaid workers yeah. who they be treated terribly. Like doing. it's great. They're doing all this, you know, they they really seem to care about their job despite the fact that their boss is terrible. Right. So that's nice. Yeah. So they yeah. also actually in trouble if he comes back in and And they aren't working. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But but also that goes along with Bob Cratchit, who like even here we kinda we kinda skipped over this. But after Scrooge gives him the day off, he says Thank you, Mr. Scrooge. Yes. Yeah. Because he's like, and you'll see this later at home when he's talking to his family too. He tries so hard to respect Mr. Scrooge. Like, yeah, he wants to be a good employee so badly. Yeah, and I think absolutely. He feels because, grateful because... despite everything. Yeah. And isn't it? It's his wife who expresses the frustration with yes. it all, and he right. never does. He's very kind of, he's just grateful and good, yeah. and that's also reflected in Tiny Tim. I think you recall as well. There's yeah. that sense of the the virtuous. They they are the virtuous poor who you know they just right. keep doing what they're doing. They don't rise up in re- revolution. They just yeah. They're just this, great. For this actually a job feels with really these... relevant right now yeah. with what's going on. All the all the discourse about uh, people sort of uh, demanding to be paid what they're worth and. And a lot of uh, a lot of stuff coming out about bad employers. So yeah, this actually feels more relevant than ever. Yes, which is always a bit sad when we we've yeah. always held Dickensian era to be like, you know, it goes hand in hand with poor working conditions, with the uh, mistreatment of like children in working conditions, and all that sort of thing. It's always a bit sad when you watch something of this era, and it's like, oh yeah, no, this is actually quite yeah, yeah. relevant. Rich people to are today, still exploiting it? working class people. Yeah, yeah. If this were happening now, Emily Cratchit would be starting a Reddit thread like, "How do I convince my husband to quit working for Ebenezer Scrooge?" Yeah, no, absolutely, and it would be all set in some kind of Amazon uh, <laughs> yeah. distribution outlet. Yeah. Yep, yep, and and Scrooge would be like, have them all packing boxes. And they would sing beautifully while they worked. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but they would have timed toilet breaks and they would all sleep in little pods. Oh, man. Yeah. That yeah. actually sounds worse. So that's. Yeah, no, no. It is, it is definitely worse. <sighs> yeah. Well, anyway, <laughs> um, that's most of what I have. I just had a couple of uh, other things on the song itself. Uh, I like the way. Uh, Kermit says the promise of excitement is one the night will keep that little sort of yeah. froggy the one, one the night will keep and then he then the end of the next verse rhymes with that which I had never really thought about before because the next verse ends with everyone is family the feelings running deep so that's a nice little yeah. trick on Paul Williams but part. also you've got the midline rhyme with the how many sleeps till Christmas so right that's right the thing. That's the thing. which I always like in a song that little bit where rhymes are reflected but not always in the same place like that yeah is, yeah yeah, it's yeah, that's one good. the night will keep after all there's one more sleep. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Uh I like the lyric, there's no such thing as strangers when a stranger says hello. Uh something that sort of I'm reminded of every holiday season is like, oh yeah, when we have something to say to each other, like happy holidays or happy new year or whatever. Like it's just kind of 
more effortless to be nice to people. It would be pleasant if we could have that the whole year around. I guess you could just say, have a nice Hello. day or, yeah. So, yes. Yeah, everyone should just be nice to each other all the time. I guess that's the point. <laughs> Not just at Christmas. Um, yeah, that's all I have about these uh, two minutes. Do either of you have any thoughts, uh, starting with you, Tansy? Uh, oh, I really... Yeah, no, I think I've probably said all I have to say. I would think about this uh, this segment. I think it's really beautifully choreographed. And I it do is. love a rat sequence. Like, <laughs> Good, I'm glad you're here for this one. The rats really now. are one of the, the great additions to the... And I always think of them as being a really late addition. I think it's perhaps because I probably saw this film before some of the some of the 80s ones but it's it is it is odd i was thinking it was being late but actually they came in pretty early really in the scale of muppets to now yeah uh yeah, yeah it's, in it's, the kind overall. Of, it's kind of like the end of the muppet show a little bit and then Ma- manhattan really is when they yeah explode, when they you know, first become characters yeah yeah and very few like, people like, especially now watch all muppet stuff in the order it was produced anyway but uh, right yeah. no, I, I do love i do love the rats yeah uh yeah rats are great um especially when they're dressed in their little waistcoats yeah and i just like that they're it's just one of these muppet character groups that we look for like there's the penguins the chickens the the pigs the frogs the rats yeah and i think we have fairly high expectation of the rats of these really intensely choreographed <laughs> sequences yeah they should do another one of these jokes like often their role is to be funny when the story isn't funny or to yeah. add humor um or add extra layers of humor when everybody else is playing it straight. And often in the right. background, you know, and again, mm. I'm thinking of people to Treasure Island where they do a lot Treasure of background Island, yes. kind of uh, support work of like, oh, things got a bit heavy, chuck in a rat with in a boat, right. being funny. Um, it's nice they get like a really full on sequence this early in the film, yeah. something that showcases their general rattiness. I'm already thinking ahead, like, which which rat sequence should we have you back for for Treasure Island <laughs> next season? Yeah, i become your rat expert. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Anthony, do you have anything else on these two minutes? And do you have a old curiosity shop this week? I, I do. I will open up the old curiosity shop. So the first thing is... Should we have a jingle uh, for this segment? For the... <laughs> it's like the bell above the door. Um, so <laughs> yeah. the the line Scrooge has about a poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every December the 25th is one of the most famous lines in the book. I think, I think most people probably know that's from the book. Yes. Um, the whole thing is a poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December said Scrooge buttoning his great coat to the chin. But I suppose you must have the whole day be here all the earlier next morning. The clerk promised that he would and Scrooge walked out with a growl. So that basically is this scene. That's yeah. all it is in the book, you know? Yeah. Scrooge just leaves. Um, but in the annotated Christmas Carol, Michael Patrick Hearn notes that closing a business in London on Christmas Day was left up to the discretion of the employer at the time. So it there wasn't, there probably would have been other people for Scrooge to do business with. Oh, okay. Un- unlike what Kermit notes huh. here. Um, and he also notes that the same was true in the United States. Christmas didn't become a federal holiday until 1870. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I guess so a lot depends on what some, your business is. And I was going to say maybe run. some financial institutions like like this would have stayed open for him to do business with. Right. Yeah. 
but it's like you can see that the businesses more likely to stay open are probably ones where you know people need to purchase things it's it's worth noting of course that the um skipping ahead to later on in the story the uh the butcher has to be open on christmas day yeah somebody get that turkey from the window right yeah so yeah but yeah it's weird to think like it, it would be a shock to people that banks were closed or what is it he does he like lends money is he he's, he lends yeah he's a he's a money lender yeah. yeah i guess he's like he's basically a a building and loan kind of i guess yeah. another huh. a, another thing in common with uh, it's wonderful life tie into another christmas story yeah mm-hmm. yeah but it's it's one of those things where you can see how <clears throat> certainly it's not a business that would really so bob is definitely seeing this is a day in which they'd sit there and nobody would come in Right, but yeah, so that was the only thing I had this week. All right, uh, so Tansy, we like to ask our guests uh, the usual round of questions. Do you remember the first time you saw this movie? Uh, what's your history with it? How would you rank it alongside the other Muppet movies? And I'm going to throw in a new one this week. Do you watch this movie every year at Christmas time? Okay, so many questions. Um, yes. Yeah, I don't specifically remember when I first watched it. I think it's one of those that I just... What year was it released? Uh, 92. Okay, well, I must have watched it pretty much when it first came out because it's one of those things I don't remember watching it for the first time, but I remember not having watched it, if that makes sense. Right. But I was... That means I'm like 14 when that came out, so it's not Mm. like a distant childhood memory. But you think you saw it Uh, at the theatre that year? Oh, I don't know if I saw it in the theater, but if I did, I would have seen it within within a year. But yeah, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if I had. Sure. Um, I definitely remember going to see Treasure Island, but I, like I have a really specific memory of Treasure Island. I don't remember it specifically. I've always enjoyed Muffet. <laughs> uh, this particular one, I like this era generally. I love. We've talked about it before. How I'm really fond of the idea of Muppets adapting um, classic works. Remember recommending the Wizard of Oz one to you guys, <laughs> right? I, 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 will, I was um, going to say we we joked about putting you on the spreadsheet already, but we do have you on the spreadsheet to be our as, guest for as you should Wizard of Oz bonus episode. So yeah, yeah, because yeah, that, yeah, that sure. is that is fantastic film. I yeah, <laughs> but uh, no, so I like this era. I probably, I don't know. I I think I I've I've become a lot fonder of A Christmas Carol generally. Uh, the older I get. And since watching, I'm pretty sure this is the first version. I don't know if this is the first version of Christmas Carol I saw. I think it's either this or it's the Blackadder. And it's very likely that I saw the Blackadder one first. (laughs) So for a long time, the two versions of Christmas Carol that I had interchangeably were Blackadder and Muppets. And I would always actually go for Blackadder over Muppets, I'd say, for the Christmas Carol specifically. Okay. Um, As far as watching it every year... I will generally try and restrain myself to one version of Christmas Carol a year. Okay. For a long time, it was pretty much those two. More recently, there's the Doctor Who one has also been added, and mm-hmm. there's a few more along the way. So I will usually watch, yeah, it, it's usually one or the other. Um, I won't watch any automatically every single year, but usually I, 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 think I, I think I did watch Muppets Last Christmas. So usually every two or three years I will watch it. I do enjoy it very much. <laughs> That's reasonable. Um, you, you certainly have a lot of adaptations to choose from. Oh, absolutely. And I love, I've read the books a couple of times. I really, really enjoyed it, which surprised me because I, 
actually quite loathe most Charles Dickens books. Oh. Uh, like I found, I, I studied, I'd studied Bleak House at uni. I found it very hard going. A Christmas Carol, I think I read for the first time in my 20s and I found it's it's a perfect book. It's really short. Like it's a very yeah, tight that's novella. That's the thing. That helps. And it yeah. is so tight. Like the prose is so perfect. And I've since read some of his short stories and really enjoyed them as well. I think I just can't quite come at the really giant books that go on forever. Mm. Um, but this is such, there's a reason it's so popular. It's such a tight, perfect, like every sentence is just so clever and so lovely. And I think this must be how other people feel about other Charles Dickens books. And I just can't, I'm still angry about Bleak House, frankly. Um, (laughs) There was just so much of it. And I got to the end and I didn't even know any of the answers to the questions that were raised anywhere in the book. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so terrible. But yeah, so I I love it. And I think it is fascinating. I am kind of obsessed with literary adaptations. I love watching multiple adaptations of the same thing. So like Jane Austen, for instance, I love watching lots and lots of different versions of the same story. I find that really, really interesting, whether it's theatre, whether it's film, um, audio. I love watching and experiencing multiple versions. Mm. But yeah, I have always more thought of this as being a Christmas Carol more than I thought of it as being a Muppet film, which is weird, but it's not, it's not one of my favorite Muppet films, probably Um, of this era. I will always probably pick Treasure Island first. Okay. Um, (laughs) And of the previous ones. um, Yeah. I'd probably watch one of the eighties ones over it as well. I think maybe I always, when I was younger, it hit me as being a little bit schmaltzy. It was a little bit too sweet. This one. Um, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I, once you watch, you watch the, the Blackout of Christmas special, you know, it's hard to come back from that. But I'm very fond of it and I will always enjoy watching it. But I think particularly because I didn't connect as much to the, maybe when I was younger, when I first watched it, to the human character, not not Michael Caine, who's like written everything, but I seem to remember the all the sequences in the past kind of annoyed me a bit and things like that. Oh, okay. Not the Muppet parts, obviously. Right, like right. You're just like, all right. Like we young Scrooge. Scrooge. I'm just like, oh, to be... why do I need to do this? Why do I need to create right. this character? Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah, I mean, watching Muppets is always entertaining. And I do like it. But as I said, it's, it's probably not. If I was picking one randomly to watch, I probably wouldn't pick this unless it was Christmas and I hadn't watched Christmas Carol in any other format yet. And then I'm just Makes like, well, let's, let's watch some Muppets. But uh, yeah. I'm all trying right. to think, have I answered all the questions? Uh, I think so. I yeah, think yeah. that covered everything. I believe so. Yeah. Um, so, yes, uh, thank you very much for for joining us uh, on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's always fun to come and talk about, you know, dead rats. <laughs> yes, always fun <laughs> to talk about dead rats. Uh, so, listeners, uh, please make sure you check out toughpigs.com on the internet and all the usual places that we tell you to check it out. Our logo is by Morgan Davey. Uh, you can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash toughpigs. We would really appreciate that if you like what we're doing. Uh, you can tell us what you think about these minutes or Charles Dickens or Michael Caine or whatever um, by dropping by our Facebook, Twitter, or emailing us at movingrightalong at toughpigs.com. You can find me on Twitter at me, Ryan Rowe, and on Letterboxd at Movies Are Neat. Anthony is on Letterboxd at Zeppo Marxist. And Tansy, remind us where uh, people can find you and or your work on the internet. Uh, you can find me on the Verity podcast talking about Doctor Who uh, or on Twitter at Tansy RR. 
Very good. Everyone should go seek those out. And uh, listeners, also, if you don't mind, please give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can do that. And tell all your friends about the show, all the the rats that you work with, tell them about the show. And uh, join us again in approximately seven more sleeps for another episode of Moving Right Along. See you later. Aww. Yay! Excellent. (laughs)